take our Bibles. Turn over to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. If you'd been in the uh, new members class, you would have heard me speaking at mock speed. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what, I feel sorry for them. They probably heads are spinning right now. But uh, boy, I feel like I got so much to share in just such a little time. And of course, today, that's, the message is so short. You don't believe that, do you? <laughs> well, you would be right. But anyway, we'll try to get through it, and we'll get done on time, and we'll trust the Lord to get us through what we need to hear and what we need to know, and he'll meet the need in our lives. Okay, Luke chapter 17. We're going to begin in verse 11 today, and chapter 17, verse 11 of the book of Luke. Now, the Bible says there, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go shew yourselves unto the priests. It came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. 
And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. In verse 11, we read that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and it would seem that this would have been possibly his final trip there. I mean, he would ultimately end up on an old rugged cross. And as he's traveling, he comes across a certain village. In verses 12 and 13, we read about the lepers or the ten men that he is confronted with. They introduce themselves and they find themselves as outcasts in society. They are not permitted to join in in the festivities of normal activity of life because of their leprosy. They have to isolate themselves from society according to the law of God even. And as a result, when Jesus enters this village, he is met by those ten lepers, and the Bible says they stood afar off, and they cried unto him for mercy. And then we see our Lord in verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. Now again, it must be understood that in order to be cleansed of that or to be permitted back into society at that point, they had to go to the priest who would declare them clean, and then, and only then, were they permitted to join and participate in society again. So the Lord Jesus Christ simply tells them, go present yourself to the priest. Well, if they're going to do that, something's going to have to happen in order for them to be considered cleansed. And the Bible basically tells us at that point, as they're heading on their way, they are cleansed. We don't know exactly how long into their journey they were cleansed, but we know they were close enough for one of them to return. Why did one cleansed leper return to thank him? Why only one? Well, let me give you just a couple thoughts, and that's not the message, it's still the introduction. One might have waited to see if the cure was really going to take. One may have said, well, let's see if it will last. Another one says, well, we'll see Jesus later and then we'll thank him. One might have said, well, um, maybe I never had leprosy at all. One may have said, well, um, I would have eventually gotten well on my own. One gave glory to the priest, possibly. One said, oh, well, Jesus didn't really do anything. One may have said, well, any rabbi could have done it. One may have even said, well, you know, I was already a lot better than I had been. But can I say this morning, thank God for the one This one man, he returns thanking and praising the Lord Jesus Christ. One. Ten percent. 
So what can we learn? And that's what I want to share with you today is just three simple lessons. Nothing difficult, nothing hard, but very practical and so awfully true today. We're going to have a word of prayer and then we'll consider some lessons that we learn from the passage. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. Bless us now in these next moments. We pray that your Holy Spirit would take control of the service. May he move in the midst of us. May he, Father, bring a calm and a peace to this place. And Lord, open our ears that we may hear with spiritual ears. And Lord, fill me with thy spirit that I may speak only those things which would please you. Now be glorified, Lord, we pray. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Our first lesson is simply this. Thanking God is not the norm. Thanking God is not the norm. We may say, well, it's not normal. It's not the norm. In verse 15, we already read it. The Bible said, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice, glorified God. He says over there in, 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 in verse 17 as well, and Jesus answering said, where were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? So what we learn is that it's not really normal. It's not the norm, being thankful and grateful. It's more common than we would think to be an ingrate. Rarely do we hear the words thank you anymore. Again, you may say it in your family, and I hope you teach your children to say it, but I'm telling you in our culture, in our society, we take so much for granted. We rarely say the words thankful, thank you. We rarely express our gratitude like in days past. In our junior church, we had a, one of our leaders years ago, and I remember this, and they, they said that they passed out cookies to the kids, again, a number of years ago, but out of the 16 who received the cookies, only four of the kids said thank you. We're talking about in church. 16 cookies, 16 kids, four thank yous. I think it was the uh, Young at Hearts class. Not really. But anyway, it was our children's classes. Is that sad? Is that not sad? As a matter of fact, he gave those four children an extra cookie. <laughs> those other kids probably learned a valuable lesson that day. But this attitude of ingratitude is a prevailing one in our culture and around the world today. In the hot springs, in Mexico, they have a number of hot springs and cold springs, and sometimes they're found right side by side. And because of the convenience of this natural phenomena, a lot of the ladies will bring their laundry to those kind of places so they can kind of boil their clothes on one hand, and then they can rinse them off in the cold. A tourist was watching one day as the practice was taking place and commented to his Mexican guide. He said, I imagine they think Mother Nature's pretty generous to supply such ample clean, hot, and cold water where side-by-side, side that, that are right side-by-side side for them to use for free. And the guide said, no, senor. There's much grumbling because the, she supplies no soap. <laughs> hey, listen, ingratitude is not limited to any particular race or creed or people. It is as old as Adam, and it continues to haunt humanity. We have a prime example of that truth in the Word of God concerning the nation of Israel. Turn, if you would, to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15, 24. 
God had just performed this awe-inspiring miracle for his people's benefit. I mean, a number of miracles. He had slain the firstborn in Egypt so that Pharaoh would ultimately free the Israelites. He had provided a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to guide them on their journey. He had opened the Red Sea for them to cross, and he brought that Red Sea back, crashing upon the enemy, protecting Israel, and delivering them. And yet, when they hit their first snag after that, instead of trusting God as they probably should have, they turned to complaining. Look what it says in Exodus 15, 24. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I mean, right off the bat, after everything God's done, after even everything that God used Moses to do, before it's over with, they're looking to Moses and they're looking to God and they're asking questions. Okay, well, what about this need then? We we really appreciate what you've done in the past, but no, I don't know that they appreciate it as much as they may have tried to say. It just seems to me that thanking God is not the norm. And you know what, we, if we have grown up to learn to thank, we ought to be thankful that we did. Because we have a generation and even those in my age bracket that do not say thank you like they ought to. We expect things. We feel we deserve things. And boy, I'll tell you what, those 10 lepers walked away that day. And sadly, even way back then, only one came back to thank the Lord Jesus after being healed of an incurable disease called leprosy. Number two, we said thanking God's not the norm, but number two, God doesn't understand our ingratitude. He doesn't understand it. Verse 17, and Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? He didn't understand their ingratitude. And you know, he doesn't understand our ingratitude. Again, ingratitude has been recorded and reckoned with throughout the ages. I mean, it has always been in our midst. Sadly, it's not only prevalent in our society today, but it's accepted today. And it's even encouraged at times. Don't be thankful for that. Consider this. Therefore, don't be thankful for that. What do you mean? We are living in a day and age where gratitude is not something that we are quick to embrace. Poe Bronson, in an article, Why Counting Blessings is So Hard for Teenagers, he made these comments. And listen very closely to the comments, please. Parents and teachers need to recognize that being grateful and being a teenager are often diametrically opposed. To be a teenager, in the classic sense, means expressing a fundamental desire to individuate individuate from one's family. This is not unhealthy behavior. It's completely normal. They're soon to be independent adults, and they need to take themselves for test, test drives. Pushing parents away and wanting things to be done of your own business and exhibiting total ignorance of all you've done for them are all behaviors that can conjure independence asking them to be grateful and wishing they'd be more aware of how their success is due to you is difficult for them to feel at the same time as they're trying to get out from under your thumb. Thus, grateful teenagers are rare, not the norm. In that particular book, Nature Shock, he further states this, 
For kids with a strong need for autonomy and independence, it might be demoralizing to recognize how much they are, in, or they are dependent upon grown-ups. They might already feel like adults are pulling, them, pulling all the strings in their lives, uh, in their lives, controlling what they eat, what they study, uh, what they're allowed to wear, and who they hang out with. And they'd rather feel self-reliance than beholden. Their sense of independence might be an illusion, but it's necessary It's a necessary illusion for the psychological balance and future growth into genuine independence. Their lack of gratitude might be the way they maintain the illusion that they are in control of their own lives. Did you you hear that junk? You say, well, I think it's normal. It's normal for children to pull away from their parents and to not be grateful. Can I tell you that it is normal and it's natural and it's natural normal for you too because it's called the flesh. It's the flesh. But I thought instead of feeding the flesh, we were to cut it off. Instead, this man says, oh, don't consider it a problem. Don't try to discipline it. Don't try to bring it under control. No, this is a normal activity in a young man or young lady's life. They're going to treat you like crap. And they're going to say bad things about you. And they're not going to be thankful for anything you do for them. So just accept it and deal with it because that's exactly what they need in order to develop properly. By the way, I was using the Greek form. Some of you were taken by that, I could tell. I felt, as Brother Tony Hudson would say, a kink right there. Let me tell you something. We're in a mess today. When you have psychologists and educators that dismiss ingratitude as being a normal stage or phase in a child's development, let me tell you something. God doesn't see it that way. And may I say, if you're a husband or you're a wife today or you're an employee or an employer, can I tell you that God wants you to be grateful, not ungrateful. We are commanded to be thankful. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, and you may write a few of these down, but just for time's sake, I'm going to read right through them. But Ephesians 5, 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians 3, 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Colossians 3, 17, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I got to believe that if God commands it, he'll enable us to perform it. I don't think God calls us to do anything he doesn't equip us to do. And may I say today, when we dismiss the reality of God's word in our lives and we start to accept anything less than God's standard, my friend, that's exactly what we'll get and so much more. And we will be all the more disappointed in the end. Well, I don't want to cause trouble now. Better now than later. Because right now they're very little and you can deal with them. But sooner or later they'll be very big and they will tell you no to your face. And if they say no there, you can deal with it real good. But when they say no and they're up here, it's kind of late, my friend. I'm not saying quit. I'm just saying it's going to be a lot tougher road to hoe. Boy, we got to start early on teaching and training them a biblical principle. Gratitude is a biblical truth, a principle, a command from Scripture. 
Hey, listen, when a young person or an adult, either one, is not grateful, they are being disobedient to God's word and to God himself. It is called a sin in God's eyes. You say, ah, well, I don't know. It's just a phase. Well, that's what many of them are being taught today. And look how that's working for them. I say for them. It's bad enough on us, but think about them in 20, 30, 40 years if they don't learn to be grateful now. Well, my God understands. He does not. You think he understands outright disobedience? Really? You say, well, my parents did. That's where you learned it wrong then. And that's why it's important to hold your children to a standard too. Because they're going to learn a bad principle about God. Because how they see daddy is how they'll see God ultimately. And if you're allowing them to get away with things and have bad attitudes in the home and you're not trying to address it and deal with it, and again, you may not be as successful as you'd like to be, but you're working at it and you need to keep working at it. Because in the end, they're going to come up and they're going, to de- they're going to kind of figure out that this is what God must be like them. If I can get away with it, with this authority, then I can get away with, it with that authority. God has provided us with every tool we need to be grateful. You say, you just don't understand what I'm dealing with, what I'm facing. Well, here's what I do know as a believer, what you have available to you. You have God himself living in the person of the Holy Spirit inside you. You have God living in you. I have God living in me. I have his precious word and his truths at my disposal day and night, night and day. I've even been given an opportunity to be a part of an overall church, a church family that can come together and worship together and serve the Lord together and be plugged in together and encourage one another. And say, man, don't give up on the faith. Keep going. Stay faithful. Man, we got so many tools at our disposal. Peter and John, they had they'd been arrested for preaching the gospel. They're released, and we find them praying with other believers. Now, understand, it wasn't a good thing that took place. <laughs> they weren't being treated like high society. They were cast into prison, and they were treated like dogs. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Turn there, would you please? Let's see how they respond. i got to believe they've got to become have becoming very bitter toward those people that threw them into prison. they got to be pretty upset and angry all the time. I mean them Romans and, and those Judaizers. and Nobody understands what I'm dealing with and what I'm going through. I'm just trying to obey the Lord. They just leave me alone. They're losers. I can't believe they treat me like that. I'm just trying to help them. Can't stand them guys. Oh, is that how they handled it? Well, let's see how they handled it. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29. They meet back together with their, we'll say, partners in crime or the church. They get back together now. And they run into a prayer meeting, by the way. And here they are. And now, Lord, verse 29, chapter 4, verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. 
by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken when they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the Bible goes on to tell us that these men thanked God that they were worthy to suffer for his sake. I don't even, I can't wrap my mind around that. They wanted power to preach. They wanted to fulfill the Great Commission. They had been given this calling, and they said, nothing, and no one's going to keep us from it. God, you're so good to give us the opportunity, even if necessary, to suffer for thy sake, to give our lives for your sake, to preach the gospel that brings harm even to our bodies. We are thankful for everything. We've been commanded, and we'll be thankful. And you know what? We've been commanded too. If the Holy Spirit could enable them to stand before their enemies and consistently, continually give the gospel in the midst of that kind of persecution and to be able to thank God for the opportunity to serve him and to even suffer on his sake, for his sake, then you know what? He can do the same for us. See, don't kid yourself. God doesn't understand our ingratitude. Thanking God is not the norm. Number two, God doesn't understand our ingratitude. And finally, number three, thanking God brings glory to him. And really, when it's all said and done, I think that's really what the goal is, isn't it? We see throughout the scriptures that God is to get the glory. Notice what the Bible says in verse 16. Go back to Luke chapter 17 if you're not there, but if you are already, then you're in the passage we need. We're going to look at verse 16 and verse 18, and we're going to see that thanking God brings glory to him. The Bible says, and, and fell down on his face at his feet. It's talking about this leper who's been healed. He falls down on his face at the feet of the Lord Jesus, giving him thanks. Now again, it says just earlier that with a loud voice he glorified God and fell down at his, on his face. So he glorifies God, he worships the Lord, he gives him thanks. That's what the Bible's saying there. Notice what it says now in verse 18. There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. His gratitude provided or caused God to be glorified. Anytime we are thankful, we are glorifying God. Anytime we say how good God's been and thank him for his goodness, we're glorifying him. We got to be quick to thank the Lord for everything in our life. When the world stands by and the world watches us give glory to God by thanking him, they stand in wonder and awe. I mean, it's like, okay, you know, and I know they're telling us gas prices are going to drop, but gas prices have been over $3. Thank you, Lord, that they're not four. <laughs> you see, that's stupid. I'm just saying we have to have an attitude of gratitude. I mean, we can be miserable all the time if we want, but who's going to be, draw the attention then? Ah, the stupid gas prices, and man, all the dumb stuff going on in our world today. This is a big mess. Nothing's good about it. We're going the wrong direction. We're never going to see the America we grew up in again. I'm just wondering, is the world hearing Jesus in you? <laughs> I mean, are they, are they getting a glimpse of him who controls all things? Who or what are they seeing when we complain like that all the time? It's not Jesus. 
But when we say, yeah, things are going in the wrong direction, but we still serve a God on the throne today, he's still in control. He may be allowing things to go on, but he's just going to prove himself bigger and better than ever as a result. Oh, he's coming back. We just seem like we're getting closer to his return. Thank God he hasn't given up on us. Where's the thankfulness, the gratitude in our voices today? When we thank God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for giving me your Holy Spirit. Thank you for providing a church for me to attend. Thank you for the opportunity to serve in ministry. Thank you for the chance to have a wife and a family. Thank you for the opportunity to have other people I can love on and take care of and meet needs. Thank you for the privilege of giving. Thank you for this, and thank you for that, and thank you for that. What's wrong with us when we can't do that? What happened to us that causes us to be so bitter, so angry, so upset, so consumed with grief all the time? I mean, the truth is is that ingratitude and selfishness are unhealthy for us. They're very unhealthy. They contribute greatly to our nation's moral decay and eroding culture, too. They weaken us spiritually, morally, mentally, and as I said, even physically. You look at somebody that is not happy because they're so... And and listen, if you are an ungrateful person, you are not a happy person. Oh, I'm happy. I just can't stand everything around me. Okay. I believe you. You know what I'm saying. Man, I mean, that's unhealthy too. Even the church feels the impact of the prevailing winds of ingratitude. You say, well, how? Well, the American church, just in general, the church across America, experiences the impact of ingratitude by way of its dwindling attendances. It's diminishing offerings. It's declining workforce. Those are all marks of ingratitude today of believers. Isn't it sad when you go out and you knock on a door, and many of you have done that, and someone says, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, I, I, I believe I'm going to be on my way to heaven. What church do you attend? I don't. Why? Well, you know, I kind of got tied up, kind of busy doing some things. Or you've heard this one too, and again, I, I have more compassion for this, but it's still not an excuse. Well, I was hurt somewhere. Hmm, okay. Did Jesus hurt you? They won't say this, but down deep, they blame him for it. Do you know what that led to? Ingratitude. Do you know why we don't go to church like we ought to? Because we're not grateful enough for what Jesus has done for us. Do you know why we don't give like God commands? Because we're not grateful enough to give as he commands. Because, see, it's about me and it's about mine. It's not about what he did. It's about what I do. Now, listen, I know this is not a popular subject and we don't like to hear things, but honestly, when when I'm thankful to my wife for what she provides and gives to me, I treat her a lot better than when I'm not. And may I say that we don't treat Jesus good, bad when we're, great, when we're grateful. We treat him good. We don't treat the house of God bad when we're grateful for it. You, you know where I'm going here. I mean, it's, very, it's just common sense, isn't it? Yeah. Children that are grateful that their parents don't go around back-talking them all the time and being disobedient. They don't do that. Children that are grateful for the house they live in don't go around threatening to run away from home all the time. Ingratitude plays such a significant role in our attitude and our actions moving forward in our lives. And it affects us far more than we'll ever, ever understand. Turn to Romans 1.20. 
I love to, I love working with people who are grateful for their jobs. Man, you go to work and they're like, man, I love this job. I'm so happy. I, 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 I'd like to maybe get a promotion. Uh, I'd like to do this or that. But boy, I'm so thankful that I've got the job I've got. I'm going to work hard. I'm just going to give my best. I, I'm thankful for this job. I like being around people that are passionate about their work because they're grateful and gr- thankful for what they have. Boy, you get around somebody at work that's not thankful for their job, it's miserable all day long. All they do is complain. And you know what I find? It's easier to start complaining yourself. I mean, it is. It's just, it's just easier. And and you say, yeah, but there are things that need fixed. And sometimes you can't be thankful for everything. Well, we can be thankful for everything in a sense, but the truth is is this. Things do need fixed, and things need to be corrected, no doubt. But how we approach that and how we deal with that determines everything. It's, It's everything. And as a believer, we need to have a positive attitude really in every aspect of our life. Even in the times when it's negative, we need to have a positive outlook because we serve a God who's able to do exceeding abundantly of all that we ask or think. Because there's no limit on what he's capable of. And as long as he is there, so to speak, we don't have to worry about whether or not we'll be taken care of because he's on watch. Let me ask you a simple question. This is going to be difficult because I know somebody would misunderstand it and they'll confuse it probably, but I'm going to say it anyway. Do you believe that God could kill somebody if he wants them dead? You mean he can take them out of the way? He can just, you're gone. You believe that? You really believe that? Then how's come we live our lives like we have to punish people all the time? Why do we do that then? If God could just remove them when he felt it was best, and if it, you say, well, that would be what's best for me. That ex-husband of mine drives me nuts. He needs to go away. No one's ever felt that way, I'm sure. And the same thing on the other direction, right? Wait a second. I'm just saying, if he is able to do what we say he is, then why do we keep trying to fix everything ourselves? Why do we take control of the situation and punish people? Why are we so ungrateful to God for what he's given us instead of what we don't have? We have so much, but we're upset about what we don't have all the time. Well, That guy at church, he's got a good job, and I got this junky job. I hate my job. I wish I was making what he's making. Well, then work a little bit. Prepare yourself. Go to school even if you have to. Get a better job. Quit complaining and say, Lord, if you want me to have it, I'll have it, but I'm going to put in the work, baby. And don't give God up to get it. Then you'll really make a mistake. Then you'll lose your wife, possibly, and you'll lose your children to hell. You say, wow, this is serious business. I'm telling you, we have downplayed the Christian life too long. <laughs> we don't, it's a big deal, folks. Romans 1.20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. How is it that some of the smartest people in the world don't even understand this? You want to know why? Because the Bible is a spiritually discerned book. It's not a physically discerned book. You need the Holy Spirit to understand this book. He says, look around you. Just stop for a minute and stop thinking and just look around for a second. 
and consider it. Now, think about what it took to create this. Think about how it's designed. Do your tests and, and even some of your experiments and understand how it really works. And you're going to understand in the midst of all of that that it's impossible for mankind or any other force of nature, independent of God, to produce what we see around us. Impossibility. As a matter of fact, it's proof positive that there has to be a creative being. That's, that's all that the verse is saying. So he says... For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So the things that we see are pictures of things that we cannot see. Even his eternal power and Godhead. We say God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's a trinity. You say, I don't see that. I don't know. How do you know that? It's funny in nature how there's so many threes in nature. God actually designed the world and the universe <laughs> in the same means or form by which he himself exists. It's a trinity. It's amazing, really. Because that when they, and then he goes on to say, they're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, so at some point they had an understanding of who God was and is, but hold on, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. They became vain in their imaginations. Their fully heart, foolish heart was darkened. We talked a lot about this on Wednesday night, so we'll not dwell into it now. But the bottom line is, is that they were unthankful. It, it was a springboard. They knew God, the Bible says. They had known his truths. They'd likely practiced his way of life at one point. But they, they did not glorify him as God. As a result, they were ungrateful. So they rejected the truth. They embraced the ways of the world. And they ultimately are found worshiping idols. That's where it ends up. When a man or a woman is ungrateful to God for what he has done in their life and what he's done in the world and the universe in which we live, ultimately he will worship something else, an idol. And that's where we're at in America. We are idol worshipers. People, I, I believe in God. Really? Define God for me. Boy, you're going to get all kinds of definitions because we have created gods of our own liking. Not the biblical God, not the word of God, the way it describes him. Let me get to the end because we're going to close this thing. I've got a whole other page of notes. But who's sticking to them anyway? <laughs> no, I am, seriously. So here's the conclusion then. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want us to see. There are 10 lepers healed that day but only one returned to thank the Lord. So we learned a few things. One, thanking God's not the norm. It goes contrary to the flesh. It's rooted in the old nature, the old man. The moment you are ungrateful, I want you to remember you are now acting like your old self. Unregenerated self unsaved self, the natural man, the atomic man. And so am I. Number two, God doesn't understand our ingratitude. After all that God's done, let's be honest, any excuse for ingratitude is ignorant. It just doesn't even make sense. After everything he's done. And number three, 
Thanking God brings glory to him. When we, when we thank somebody for anything, we are in essence giving them credit for something or of sorts. We're giving them credit. Thank you for that gift. We're giving them credit for thinking about us, giving them credit for being considerate and kind, giving them credit for, for extending that, uh, uh, making a sacrifice to purchase or to buy, whatever it might be. We're thanking them, so we're giving them credit of sorts. But when you thank God, you're doing the same thing. You're saying, no, Lord, if it wasn't for you, I'd never have it. So what's your practice today? Your normal practice. Are you genuinely grateful to God for all things? I mean, do you honor him by being thankful? Do you draw attention to him in public by being grateful and thankful for things? Man, I tell you what, I went through the McDonald's drive-thru today, and it was before I got here, and it was early in the morning. And I, I tapped on my little icons, you know, because in there you can get the app, right? And then you get special deals. See, I, I, I get on Sunday mornings, every single Sunday morning, the exact same thing. I don't get it any time during the week, but every Sunday morning, I get the same exact thing. They got this wonderful app that says, free drink with dollar purchase. Any size drink for dollar purchase. So I get that $2.50 Sausage McMuffin bundle. Comes with a sausage McMuffin that's usually too hard, tough, been sitting all night. <laughs> and, and usually a fresh uh, hash brown. And then I get that drink. 250. Drink, McMuffin, and hash brown. I go through the line today. And I order it like every single day. You got to give them the numbers. You click on it, special, 3642. They take it. She says, that'll be $4 and something. I didn't say nothing at the time. No reason to argue with a voice. <laughs> I go up to the thing and I sit there and I say, hey, listen, I got my, got my uh, special order number here. I said, it, it should only be 250 out the door. That's what it is every Sunday. And I said, I gave you that number. She said, I'm sorry, that's what it says. That's what it is. And I said, you don't understand. I do this every week. I, I know exactly how much it should be. That, that's, that's not how it works. She said, well, that's what's in the computer. That's what it is. I said, can I see your manager, please? No reason to argue with her. She made up her mind. She was right and I was wrong. So the manager shows up. And by now I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. There's a line lining up. I'm talking 7, 7, 7.30 in the morning. Line lining up. And I'm like, see, I got these. And she says, I'm sorry, sir, but that's what our computer says. I said, I know, but I do this every week. Finally, the masterminds that they are. They said, maybe you hit a wrong button. And I thought, nah, <laughs> not me. I do this every week. I didn't say that, but I was thinking it. And she said, I'm sorry, that's what it says. You're just getting reward points. You're not actually getting to use the coupon. And I said, hold on a second. So we went back. I said, can I try it again? She said, well, yeah. I went, boy, and I hit that thing, and boom, another number popped up. I was so glad I never got angry. And I thought to myself, 
I hit the wrong button. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, that's why I bought the big chief in, because I knew you'd get it handled. Thank you so much. Now listen, that may not sound like a big deal to you, but if you knew me the way I know me, that was a big deal. I don't like things being messed up. I like it being right and the first time. But boy, we got to learn to be thankful for everything. And I thought, you know, I'm glad I didn't lose my temper. I'm glad I kept my cool. And I'm glad I said I was thank you to her because she did me a service too. First, I didn't think I was going to have to, I would have said thank you to her either way. But man, I'll tell you what, it's easy not to be thankful. It's easy not to be happy, isn't it? People need to see our gratitude every day. They, we got to practice it. Got to work at it. I wonder today, are you saved? Do you know Christ is your Savior? You know, I'm thankful that Jesus Christ became a man. I'm thankful he came to earth, lived a sinless, perfect life. I'm glad that he suffered the shame and humiliation of the cross. I'm so thankful that he did that for me. I'm thankful that he died at the hands of sinful men. And three days later, he rose again. You know, his sacrifice and his shed blood made it possible for our sins to be forgiven and our future home to be secured. And that's something to be thankful for. If you've never trusted Christ, you need to today. You can trust a lot of things in life, a lot of people in life, but let me tell you, nobody comes through like Jesus. You need to trust him as your Savior and your Lord. You need to say thank you to him, just like I did, and like so many in the room have done. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me, not just for the world, but for me. Thank you for, for, for suffering and bleeding and taking on sin on my behalf. Thank you for being buried and rising again the third day, and thank you for that open-ended, you know, uh, Res, uh, not reservation, but opportunity to be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord. Boy, I'm going to take it. I'm going to be saved today. I'm just going to settle my soul salvation. I'm going to make sure I'm going to heaven one day. I'm going to make sure that Jesus Christ is my Lord and that he lives in me through the personal Holy Spirit. I don't want to go through life without him. I'm going to get saved today, and I'm going to be so thankful that he's willing to do that for me today. Maybe you are a child of God. Are you directing your praise and honor to him consistently, constantly? I think many of you do, probably. But I know in my own life, I struggle sometimes. I find it difficult. Not that I find it difficult to say thank you to God, but sometimes I find it difficult to say thank you to others. May God help us to give all the glory and honor to him by being grateful. May we never think ourselves to be independent of God. Because any good thing that's ever come in our lives is a direct result of him. Young people, you have a lot of years, Lord willing, ahead of you. There'll not be one good thing that, God, that happens in your life that God's not responsible for. There'll be a lot of bad things that happen too. The devil wants you to be miserable. And he wants you to make stupid mistakes so that you'll be miserable. But if you'll let God lead you in this life, you'll give him your best. I promise you, you'll never regret that because he's a good God and he wants you to be blessed. And he'll bless you. Be thankful. 
And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. See, nine never thanked Jesus for what he had done for them. Jesus said, where are the nine? But thank God for the one. And here's the question. This is it. This is the message in one simple question. Will you be the one? Will you be the one? Will you be grateful when no others are? When you stand alone and kneel alone and worship God alone, will you be the one to say, I'm thankful and I'm going to just tell him and I'm going to praise him and I'm never going to stop? Will you be the one? Father, we come to you. We thank you again for the opportunity that we have today to just gather in your house. And Lord, again, this is a simple thought, and I just ask, Lord, that you'd take it and that you would use it in our lives to remember always. We just come off of Thanksgiving, but Lord, as we're still fresh on our minds, may we just remember to be thankful to you in all things. Lord, it's so, so easy to lose sight of, our, of gratitude in our lives. We take our wives, our husbands for granted. We take our children for granted, our parents for granted maybe our family, our friends. We take our church for granted. We can take so many things for granted, our job, our coworkers. Lord, just help us to be grateful. And in doing so, we bring glory to you. Now, Father, there may be somebody here that's lost without Jesus Christ. I don't want them to leave here without knowing Christ as their Savior and Lord. I pray, Lord, that in just a moment that they would take a step out into the aisle, come see Brother Kavanaugh right at the front in front of the pulpit and say, I want to make sure I'm on my way to heaven. I want to trust Christ. He's been so good to die for me. I'm, I want to receive him as my Savior today. I pray, Lord, you'd do just that in our lives. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. The music's playing. You come. <laughs>